And welcome to episode 133 of the Book Wars Pod. I am Chris. (laughs) It's less sad than they used to be, honestly. Oh, I've always been able to actually do it. (laughs) Oh, it was just, it just became such a thing. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Oh my god! (laughs) He made it! I'm not sorry. I mean, if any book deserves a sad air horn from Burb, it is an alphabet squadron book there's no question about that jesus it's so depressing yeah that's all i have to say is yeah yeah so as you can hear i am joined by miranda and rana uh, and we are going to be continuing our read of Shadowfall by alexander freed today talking about chapters 13 through 16 uh but first what are we all drinking rana how about you Sorry, I was uh, typing into the chat in the Google document. Uh, I am drinking, um, it is the Celestial Seasonings. Is it Celestial Seasonings? I don't know. I'm sorry. To all our our listeners, my brain is tired today. (laughs) All our listeners, I mean, whatever five lovely people you are. Um, But uh, So I have a Celestial Seasonings apple cinnamon tea and then some bourbon. And it is not exciting good bourbon. It is the bourbon that I bought when I made ginger bourbon balls for people for christmas so it is the cheap but not cheapest of the like evan williams like not good but it was i had to use like a cup and a half of it in bourbon balls so i was not going to do something fancy oh, but yeah gotta, so where the fun begins you gotta use good bourbon well i mean it doesn't like it was going to my relatives who eat it in 30 seconds like Fair. i love them but they're it's yeah no need for quality there it was definitely a quantity choice yeah you you don't cook with alcohol you shouldn't you wouldn't drink well i mean it's not bad it's not bad i mean like i'll I'll, like do some old wine but like well that's different because you cook out the you know if you're cooking with wine it's like you cook out a lot of the flavor of it and at least to me maybe not maybe i'm cooking wine wrong (laughs) i've made i've made some good bourbon pecan pies with not good bourbon yeah. Okay. Because when the, once the alcohol cooks out, all all that's left is the kind of like the caramelly flavors. Yeah. Okay. It's, so I've just been, supposed to be earthy. I don't like bake with bourbon. I should try sometime. I usually do it in like um like a cranberry sauce. Oh Ooh. yeah. And it got like good. markedly better once I like went up from Jim Beam. Yeah. That fair. makes sense because there's nowhere for it to hide. Yeah. Like that. I mean, the things I do it in are, like, on the stovetop. So, like, it'll hide mm. in a chili. Mm-hmm. But, oh, um, I've never had a bourbon chili. I oh, always I have do, beer chili. Yeah, do bourbon some beer chili, too. Just, just throw shit in. Oh. Yeah, honestly, Miranda just, like, picks a bottle every night and just throws it in the pot. Just throws it in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Pasta sauce with gin, not the best, but. Oh, nice. Mm-mm. Well, that was me. How about you, Miranda? Dad beer. Oh, you don't know dad beer. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're saying. You I was like, oh, is that like mom jeans? Like, is it a category? Dad beer. The can says dad beer. That is the name of this beer. It's a uh, pre-prohibition lager from uh, Berlick Brewing. 
uh, here in town. It's, I think, like, behind Yingling, if I had to pick a beer to drink every day of my life, dad beer. Also, it's called dad beer. What a fucking mood. Honestly, though. Um, I am drinking bourbon as well. Um, I'm drinking, it's called Jefferson's Ocean. And it's like, it's super, yeah, yes. Kristen (laughs) is making ocean hand movements. Um, It's, it's gimmicky as hell because apparently they like, so like, you know, they, they fucking distill the bourbon or whatever. And then while they're aging it, they take the bottles and they put them on like a fucking ship and they like age it at sea. I don't believe that for a second. Do you have to I know, well, so it's, it sounds gimmicky as hell. And so I'd heard of it before and I was like, this seems fake. I need to try it. And like allegedly it like makes it like have like a little like saltiness or brininess imparted to it. But wouldn't they nowadays just do like a salt vapor or something and put I it mean, in probably. like a. Yeah, Probably. I'm doing a hand motion, but it's that, that certainly seems like it would sound, be a lot more so. cost effective for them. But I don't really way, believe it's it, in an old ship. However they do it, it is, uh, in fact, uh, does does have a little saltiness to it. And it's quite tasty. Ooh. Yeah, I think it'd be Scammy more fun. as hell, but quite tasty. It'd be more fun if they like put it on an old like wooden sailboat and like try and then to you had to go it. find it before you, you could actually sail it across it. the atlantic and yeah hope just it like does, just like hope the ship doesn't fucking like just like dug a spanish galleon out from like fucking like museums in barcelona or some shit yeah and then that would be worth it that would be it makes worth the, the journey it's worth drinking <laughs> i would i would pay at least an extra ten dollars for that i'll be honest oh for sure yeah i, I mean think... the adventure is half the cost <laughs> i love this <laughs> What about you, Keeks? Um, I can you guys hear me? My mic is being weird. Yes. yes. Okay. Great. Um, what am I drinking? I'm drinking from our friends at Away Days Brewing. Days really, though, Away our actual Day. friends at they're, Away Days Brewing. They're lovely people. They're wonderful. Um, although Miranda, when they came and dropped this off, I did not know the person who brought it to me. Uh, um, I know they were hiring delivery drivers recently. That makes sense. Um, this is the Brits Abroad Red Ale. From away days, it's delightful. That it sounds amazing. Uh, dank, multi, and dependable. Um, five point eight. Oh, nice. Oh, so <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm doing the best at this. <laughs> um, okay, great. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Love it. Um, all right, so before we get into it, uh, just a reminder that we have a couple organizations that we are telling people to support uh, as we read Shadowfall. Uh, we started, of course, with Advanced Native Political Leadership. Uh, definitely encourage people to go there. And also, last week, we started talking about uh, giving to API Equality Northern California, or APIENC. Um, those are two great organizations. Also, in this episode's description as well, we'll put uh, links to some other great organizations that are doing work uh, in the Asian American community, just as a as a response to last week's shootings in Atlanta. Uh, and now, let's talk, as we do so much in Star Wars, about trauma. In my Star Wars. <laughs> Everyone's got a lot of trauma coming out in this section. 
Like, I mean, you kind of expect it, but then out of nowhere, Erica's like, I want to put his face in the sand until he can't fucking breathe and chokes on the sand. I was like, Jesus. Learning all about Chas's cult upbringing. It's like, oh, this would have been interesting before. Oh, I thought she Everyone was lying has about just like cult. a lot of latent rage, including the droid, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, ITO is a gift. A damaged gift at this point, but I will take it. Aren't we Damn all? It. Yes. Damaged I gift. wouldn't even classify myself as a gift, just damaged. <laughs> and that was sad. Sorry. Yeah, we also, continue. It was a joke, I think. I, I, I really do like the part of this, though. Like, Aiden's talking about his trauma, and I'm like, okay, buddy. I think you're kind of shitty, but I will listen. But it actually gets really fucking interesting. And we still don't actually learn anything about Kairos, but we kind of learn something about Kairos and, like, how they met. But mostly, I was just like, give us more. Tell us more about this guy who fucking took ITO and, like, you know, did some engineering bullshit on it. So many questions. I want to know about this other form of communication that, like, Aiden species can do. I was like, obviously it has something to do with those little stalks, but I don't know. Is it vibrations? Is it Morse code in space? Like, I'm very curious about that. I didn't realize he wasn't human until, like, a decent way into this book. So, doing great. No, he's, I think the, she says, he's oh, the death so sticks guy. He's, he's that he's that. So, species. like, he looks really human, but then he has, like, little antennae. Oh, okay. He wants to Antenna, some sorry. death. Death sticks. Got it. Or at least his dad did, hypothetically. <laughs> there are two... to make his life. He improved Aiden. his life choices and became a journalist. Just didn't didn't want to be bound by the Sleesbagano family name. <laughs> Changed his name to Aiden, and the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, it seems like oh, George. Never changed, George. <laughs> but I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The fandom. George Lucas was such a great storyteller. Me. Sleaze Bagano. Yeah. I loved when, uh, I know this is a off topic, but when everyone was like annoyed because Ted Cruz was an idiot and was trying to somehow talk about Star Wars. And someone was like, I wonder if Ted Cruz realizes that if George Lucas were still writing Star Wars films, there would literally be a character named like Teed Cruzo. Like, <laughs> it would be a terrible person. They're sure Some fucking horrible would. politician. They're absolutely fucking would. Yeah. Yeah, he's never been subtle. I, I because I have one brain cell on a good day, I only recently realized that uh, Newt Gunray is... Newt, obviously, I always got was a Gingrich thing, but I never quite realized that Gunray is just Reagan backwards. Or <laughs> oh, I never realized reversed. that either. <laughs> so that, that was, a, that was a, a bit of a head explode moment when somebody first pointed that out to me. I'm so glad you shared that because I never put that together. I was like, what the fuck is that going But now it's like, oh, actually. Yeah, subtlety has never really been Star Wars' strong suit. That's for sure. Listen, it's fun. Like, you, you don't even realize that sometimes, like, I didn't put two and two together about Newt and Reagan. I mean, it, I don't think it has to be subtle. It's in space. Yeah, nothing like, matters, so... This is a story for children. Not this one specifically. This is like high key, not for anybody. 
but <laughs> is like very for children. Like that is the plot of Star Wars: A New Hope. Nazis are bad. We can defeat them if we believe. Like hooray! <laughs> um, it's like Star Wars is for children. This is not for fucking children. This is not for anybody. Like, unless you want to be sad and have feelings about characters' trauma that aren't even real people. Which, like, that's all of us. We all do that all the time. But, This is a book for sad people who want to be sadder. (laughs) That's why we have the podcast. (laughs) It all makes sense now. I knew you asked me for a reason. Exactly. We just want to... Yeah, find people, sad. We find people that seem happy and we're just like, gotta bring them down. <laughs> oh, I thought you thought I seemed sad and you're like, come be sad with us. Oh, that's like a works. different type of yeah. sadness, but either one. happiness. Like, yeah, that could totally. go either way. And honestly, what does that say about our interpretations of people's. Yeah, this is like a shit. whole like Freudian discussion about <laughs> yeah. how people present sadness and depression. Anyway. Podcast psychology sure, sure edition. I said podcast. I meant to say pod wars. Oh, I'm so tired. Speaking <laughs> of psychology, put me down. Um, you know how people deal with sadness and depression in Star Wars? They don't. Ter- yeah, no. I was going to say terribly, but that's better. Or yeah. they shoot things in space. <laughs> yeah, and like. I know that, like, obviously this was, like, intentional, but, like, we never really got the extent of, like, Kairos and Aiden's and Aiden and Ito's relationships. Like, you know, there were allusions to, you know, they'd been through some shit together. But, I mean, generally, I think when you when you read, like, they've been through some shit, you gen- your mind generally doesn't jump immediately to prison camp. At least yeah. Off, at least for me, oftentimes. Yeah. Same. And it was... I mean, like, we obviously don't get too detailed in this section about like what actually happened there but and i don't know what the point i'm making here is but i think that uh it was like a very effective way of one explaining the relationship and like between aiden and kairos and you know throw in ito um but also like of portraying like how bad it actually was because the whole time it's just like we've seen some shit and it's like well great we've all seen some shit with each other like what kind is this and it's like oh a depressing like seeing each other passing in the hallway while one of you is on the way to be tortured cool 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 you see the life drain out of each other's eyes every passing day great I think it's really cemented for me like previously when we're getting a little bit of Aiden's views on Kairos and their past in some capacity it almost I wasn't sure whether it was like genuine or whether it was transactional in the sense that like Kairos had done something for Aiden to care or you know if there was some sort of debt there like life debt of some capacity um I've said the word capacity a lot today but um I think now I feel much more like oh no they are like trauma bonded by everything they've been through it's not that it's just Aiden being like for whatever reason oh I have to help this person transactionally it's like no he's genuinely invested to the point where i mean to be fair he would hold erica accountable for anything but to the point where he tells her like i'll hold you accountable even though you have literally no part in this that's cool yeah and like i kind of 
maybe it's changed like now that I know more about this and as we've gotten deeper into this book, but it's always kind of seemed like Aiden was very protective in a way of her. And like, you know, clearly there was something going on that we didn't know, like why he cares so much. Um, I don't know. I was really excited to, excited isn't the word, the word. It's a very depressing section, but um, interested in, you know, getting that background. Especially because it's Kairos, who never talks. We don't know. We don't even know what species she is still. She's a mummy. Maybe they've got those in space. Starring... That would explain why they couldn't do blood transfusions. <laughs> yeah, think... like, it's funny, like, they don't even know how to treat her species. Like, they're like, well, Bacta's not working. I guess just send her to a different hospital? Like, Ooh, who's the wild. Say? Were you guys expecting, so this is probably jumping ahead a bit, um, to the Chass is an occult part but I was like high key expecting the guest everyone was talking about to be Kairos. Interesting. Hmm. I was me? not personally. You've read this no, before. No, I didn't. Oh, first time I read it. <laughs> God, Bird, yeah, I... you didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't make that conclusion. I mean, oh. it might just be that I wasn't thinking critically. But was I thinking critically? I, uh... I don't know if that's. No, I mean, I mean that's, that's, in like a like, like a. That doesn't. A, a, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't seem like something I would do. Um, but that no, I, I didn't reading. think that. But it's I actually, for some reason, I didn't even care who the other guest was. I was like, all right, keep going. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of comes through, you know, Chas's narration a bit, too. It's like she's like clearly trying to figure out who it is and is like asking questions and poking around. But it's all very casual. She's going around being a cult person. You know, doing culty things. And then suddenly she's in the medical area and, like, shooting through some glass at the Imperial person? Unclear. But the the whole lead-up was very lackluster. Yeah. If that makes I sense. think, well, I almost felt like they were trying to balance out, like, all of the things that happened. So it's like, one second, she's floating through space. And then the next, it's... Slightly boring, and then the ship is crashing, and then it's a little boring, then she shoot it through the glass. Like, it was just, like, very up and down. Yeah, Chess has had a day. There's no question <laughs> about that. It's a very long day. And also, you know, a very big alphabet squadron mood. And I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode. It was another, like, is she dead? Who's to say? Moment. And then I was like, oh, no, she's just passed out on this, like, weird freighter or some shit now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, honestly, every time we leave Chas in a scene, I'm like, well, that's the last we're going to see of Chas. <laughs> oh, there she is. It's frozen. Oh. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. can you now hear us? I can, but for some reason it's coming in, even though it says it should come in through my headphones and the microphone, it's now coming in through my computer. If so you, I don't like, know if there'll be a weird echo. the settings it won't, and then switch them back. It won't let me because we're recording. Oh, oh that yeah. bullshit again. I can try plugging my headphones into the computer and see if that helps. Yeah, see if okay. that works. Ugh. I don't know why I'm, I'm so squad technical. I mean, every every single one of these programs is rude. I know. There isn't one that works. Oh, yes. Okay, there, that's fine. Does that I just work? didn't want it to catch in the microphone. Oh, good. I yeah. I just can't hear myself, but that's not new. Well, you can hear yourself. 
just yeah, exactly. Have Can I? Do I care? <laughs> no. It's like, look no, deep inside the, your soul. It's Ronna more doesn't actually know what she says until the podcast comes out three days later. <laughs> I don't Honestly, listen to it, so I'll never know. Though. I don't think any of us do anymore. The last time someone put something like in the Patreon and they were like, oh, there's a Yo Jimbo reference. And it took me like five minutes to think of what. And then I realized I had said it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime fine. someone points out something I said, I'm like, who said what? Did that happen on this episode? Literally, the only thing I remember is like my finest shit posting and or just completely missing things yeah like, same no, we're all i think we're all very self-critical people like so. when um, no Hondo this is fair just Hondo so you guys know blue. it's very normal by the way i didn't know if that was a this is pod racing reference geeks okay i was like um now this is podcasting no there are a lot of like i don't know how many po- do you listen to a lot of podcasts rana uh i used to when i was driving into the office but now i don't go anywhere so not as I, much I used to be like the no, this is normal for podcasting person on the on, on the podcast. Like, no, this is a normal length. No, this is what people want. Um, and everyone was like, "Really?" Well, that's why you're a producer. Oh well, allegedly, you okay. guide us. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Yet again, ca- I bet it will happen again. I'm sure, but, but we'll see. No, I hope it doesn't. Um, okay, sorry. Miranda. The last thing I have from you is being a cult person. Um. Yeah, Chas was... Oh, I was struggling to say that, you know, everybody in Alphabet Squadron at some point in one of their sections in this larger section of the novel, I, like, was pretty sure they were about to die. Will, several times. Actually, maybe not Nath. When Nath was, like, talking to uh, T5 and, like, they were, like, taking down the Star Destroyer uh, over Troitha uh, and, um, what was it? Like, Nath was, like, he was, like, talking to T5 and he was, like, okay, one more pass. I was, like, well, that's it for Nath. Bye-bye. Yeah, because, like, Erica has that thing I mentioned at the top about, like... Well, that was just an outburst of wanting to shove Aiden's head into the sand, but, like, her shit all seems very questionable, and then she rolls up to a fucking Sith temple. Yeah, and then has that, like, flashback and has been asleep for an hour. Yeah, a whole nightmare. Yeah, Yeah, and, like, we're obviously just at the beginning of that little episode of the book, and so we'll talk about it more next week but yeah i mean there's there's a lot of shit happening and it, it's i mean alexander freed is v- like very good at and no one is safe writing like yeah. and i feel like part of that's his reputation of like you know we've we've read him a bit on the pod like we know that he can kill characters with abandon um uh, but yeah and like i feel like one thing about reading alexander freed is that like he very much has the reputation of like everyone is sad and therefore, everyone is going to die. And so, like, I just I just really felt like at least one member of Alphabet Squadron was going to die mid-book. And I was not ready for it. And I was like, I'm, I'm still surprised that no one has died yet. I, feel... I like... Go Sorry. ahead, Miranda. Okay. No, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I feel... It's... Sorry. It's almost like he's teasing us. Like, 
you know, oh, are they gonna die? Oh no, they're still alive. Uh -huh -huh -huh. And then like he's gonna keep doing that until we get complacent and then heartbreak. I feel like I don't know if maybe I've just read the wrong books in my life, but like I haven't thought that many people died in this series. I've been like kind of like I, I'm ready for it and I'm like, it's gonna happen. When the whole Pandem Nye thing happened, the whole reason I like sped read the last, you know, 200 pages was because I was like, oh my God, someone's gonna die. It's gonna be Will. Oh no, it's gonna be this person. No. And then none of them died. And I was like, what? Um, and I feel like maybe I just like as a teenager read too many books where people died and then I like would be like, ah, now I have to have a new thing in my brain. <laughs> but um, now when I do that, I'm expecting something worse. And so thus far, I've been like, so ready for people to die that the deaths that have happened have been like mildly underwhelming. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was going to happen. And yeah. I'm just kind of waiting for the characters I don't want to die to die. I mean, I think in the series so far, like the, the characters who have died have been kind of underwhelming. Yeah, and they've like, all been minor and everyone else has been like saved from sudden death. Which is why I'm really afraid for the end of this book and the beginning of the next one. Because like in a trilogy, perfect time to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, I like, like, I feel like Alexander Freed is like, like, if, uh, I have a thought. I'm going to restart it because it's going to make more sense that way. Yes, Burb. I have a question that I just remembered. Was Twitch in? Twilight Company? Yes. That bitch. Yes. Okay. Was it, wasn't she like the teen? No, that was Roach, I think. Uh, okay. I don't remember their nickname. Because she died. Like, oh, yeah. The teen died. Okay. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, I know this person. From another yeah, Twitch and Charmer were both in uh, Twilight Company. Got it. That makes sense. I felt like I didn't read Twilight Company. And so I felt like there was something I was missing there because of the description of her. And it was like more detailed than other side characters. Yeah. So I was like, huh, I should look this up. And then I didn't. So. <laughs> yeah. Mode. Yeah, it's very... I'm just glad that Brand has made it this far through the war. Brand is the woman with the giant mask who was on the, the asteroid waiting to ambush them. Mm -hmm. She she was great. I'm glad that she is not dead. What a mood, also. Um, anyway, about deaths in this book. <laughs> I feel like it's like very in right now to like kill characters like i feel like it was like was taboo for a while like it was like very taboo in like the 90s early 2000s that's and, like, why george R. R. martin became successful once, yeah exactly once no exactly Ned Stark died it, well i mean all, that was like that off. was like 93 or something that was a long time well, still, yeah but nobody like, was it became popular. nobody read it until the, the 2000s <laughs> read it. some people read it <laughs> um no but no you're exactly right rana and like i feel like that's like the thing right now. And like Alexander Freed is like, oh, you think that people dying is the most pain that you're going to feel? Oh, my dear friends. The Claudia so much Gray more. of the adult canon. Why not but, just make you feel all their trauma and then kill them? I know. That was yeah. exactly what I was going to say about Claudia Gray. <laughs> <laughs> she already takes you to rock bottom without killing them. And then she just kills them for good, <laughs> good measure. Just in case you weren't there yet. Yeah. Um... I have a bad feeling about this. But yeah, anything else about Chas or Kairos and Aiden? Uh, Chas, yeah, the, the whole cult thing, the whole background. I was like, what? I just, I was surprised to hear her talk about her mom. Like, now that, now that we know that there is someone there who she had this strong reaction to, like, you think that it'll make her at least 
start to think about something other than the cult. And so it'll be interesting to see how a how she gets how she's able to like convince herself to get out of this but b how suggestible she's going to be going forward i only paid attention to part of that because now i'm like going through who is this (laughs) (sighs) just read it after the pod just read it after the pod i I promise it's real it's like right next thing that happens i got my book oh my god don't I, do it I, now, because I'm I, not going to be... I don't have time. I have to finish work after this. I don't want to do my, my reading right now. i say it out loud. Oh, yeah, God. but now I'm going to see your expression, and it's going to make me want to do it. It's yeah, okay. This, you can live your this, life, and this, I just... This episode I won't was be very influenced. Krista spoilers. I apologize, y'all. It's all right. It's the second to last. It's the penultimate one. It's true. So it's fine. Oh, not who I thought it was. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Will. Let's talk about soft oh. boy Will. Soft Such boy a will. Soft baby angel. Especially in I know this is like your your whole point <clears throat> that you have laid out in the outline, but like it's really interesting to see him as like soft baby angel Will Lark from whatever fucking planet riding his space dinosaurs. Um like I th- we all have this perception of him as being like not fragile, but not to say soft again, but soft. And, you know, he, he kind of gets pushed into kind of leading this effort on Troitha to, you know, kind of mobilize. Is it a resistance at this point? Who's to say? Um, but he kind of gets pushed into that role. And he seems like very... He seems like he comes across as being competent in it. Like, outside of his conversations with Nash and his internal monologue. Well, and we've seen him lead, to some extent, everything he did on Pandem Nye was leadership. Like, he was the one who determined what they should be doing, and he just led by example. And I think he's done that a lot of times. And it's always interesting in books when, and I guess in real life, though I've never seen it, um, but... I, there are always characters in books who like don't realize their leadership is happening and don't realize the people who are starting to follow them. And sometimes it's annoying and you're like, oh, the reluctant hero. But in this instance, it's like, oh, this makes sense, right? Like, of course, people are, um, you know, talking about his flying skills and he doesn't realize it. And I don't know if Herb is flipping me off intentionally because I said that. A little bit. Little bit. Fuck you. Okay. Um, all right. Well, drag me to hell and back. Okay, I don't know what I did, but um, so just to say, like, I kind of like seeing the real implications of, like, hey, you're actually a decent leader naturally, and you are fulfilling that role. I, You know, I think a lot of that just has to do with his overall values from growing up where he did, um, and the ideas of, like, valuing the lives of others and everything about, like, hey, we should do X, Y, Z thing because people are going to die And just that I feel like his overall end goal is always like protect people, protect people who aren't involved and didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I I really relate to like this kind of part of it with or to Will, obviously, like in he's the leader and people view him as that. And like, he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? It's it's not quite like full on imposter syndrome, but it's like it's an absence of confidence and his abilities and how he comes across to other people. It's kind of like, I feel like 
it's very reflective of real life about how like empathy and leadership are kind of like two sides of the same coin whereas like on the one hand if any remotely public figure shows like the barest hint of empathy and competence everybody's like when are you running for office even if right. like they are just absolute fucking morons Hooray. but then but then on the other hand like you like empathy is like one of the most critical aspects of leadership so like it's like you know they they do need other skills but empathy is really important and so like when you think about good leaders empathy is generally what you think about like so i it's it is interesting because like i feel like his even though he's depressed as fuck and doesn't feel like a leader just the fact that he doesn't want to um just that just that he's willing to put anybody else over himself because he just doesn't see any other way to do it is like giving him those leadership vibes. Well, and I mean, even Nath wants to follow him. Like that's been really interesting to me that Nath in the end of Alphabet Squadron, I wanted Nath to die because I thought he was putting Will at risk. He's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll get you back, kid. Well, he's like in a ship and has no ability to shoot anything. Um, and then in this book, he's excusing to himself why he you know needs to protect will and instead of for the first time in this whole you know book and a half of alphabet squadron in this we're seeing Nath not just say i need to survive he says openly to himself like all i care about is getting myself and will out of here oh i'm following will this way oh i'm following will that way for xyz reasons but for Nath to follow someone i feel like is a pretty big deal um when so far he's been so internally motivated for everything for his own benefit I mean, and maybe he's just fooling me. He maybe he's an unreliable narrator, but I've maybe surprised. everybody's lying. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that spe- speaks to two things. Like, obviously, I I think he does believe in Will as a leader and as somebody he would you know follow. Um, but you know how much um, of that is like, you know, he's developed one feeling and feels a close bond with another person in space in a war it's, yeah it's funny because like Nath's definitely lying to someone it just is undetermined if he's lying to somebody else or if he's lying to himself but like I do feel like what we've seen from the first book into this book is before Nath was very I am in it only for myself like hard stop and I will do whatever I need to do to help myself and now I feel like he's still very he has the same general like worldview and moral system but now he includes Will with himself and Mm -hmm. to a certain extent almost it it almost felt like he included Erica in a way because he like saw her as like a kindred like shit stained spirit like (laughs) But You're it's, not wrong. so he is he's he's interesting and like I feel like we we have yet to kind of go inside Nath's head to the extent that we can. I don't know that I want to. That's fair. I I don't know if I want to, but I do need to. Um but also what what's interesting to me about that is that you know, for so long in addition to like being out for himself, like he's there for fucking revenge against shadowing full stop 
Even though he's gotten the closest thing to revenge that he could. Like, he's already said so many times to himself, I can't really get any more revenge. And I, I did appreciate, though, again, it could be a lie, that he tells himself, at the very least, as an indication of mildly better decision-making skills on his part, that, oh, I can't afford to act the way I did about my last squadron, and therefore I must protect this person. As opposed to just, like, if they die, I'm blowing everything up. Progress. Growth. Yeah. I don't know. I I do really like seeing kind of how he's dealing with this. Because like Chris said, you know, he did kind of have like some kind of, you know, thing with Erica. And that like, again, kindred spirits. And like, is it super fucked up how that came to be? Yeah. Does it matter to Nath? Not really. Like, if you know... And I I guess maybe this doesn't make sense because, like, she didn't know that he knew about Cinder. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's sitting there like, okay, you got some shit? Cool, 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 cool. I'm gonna sit here and be like, what's this about... Whenever someone you brings it up, so I can learn more, even though I know fucking everything. Yeah, and like we talked about it last week, but kind of the fact that when Erica gets outed as, you know, as as a war criminal, he's kind of like, instead of like sensing which way the wind is blowing and being like, well, I'm gonna get on the other side of this immediately. He is, like, very much trying to, like, ask her leading questions to try and, uh, rede- uh, not redeem, but, like, um... It's better if it comes from her than from... And, like, to get her input on it as opposed yeah. to, like, the ambush. Yeah, to make it seem less bad. I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but, like, to make it, to, like... Soften? Yeah, to, like, soften the blow. And, like, that is something that, like, obviously nobody noticed because Will and Chas aren't the smartest people when they're being very emotional about things but it's like you do see that was a risk that he actually took for Erica that he did not have Mm -hmm. to do yeah and I mean I think kind of what you were saying the thought behind that is like he was giving her a chance to come clean you know, at multiple points, he's like, oh, blah, 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 and, like, she's a fucking war criminal. And obviously, super bad. And, like, once everybody um, kind of finds out, like, shit hits the fan. But, like you said, if she had said it, it's one of those things, like, you know, when I moved out to Portland, for instance, um, I realized that, like, I had told, you know, kind of implied to my direct supervisor and, like, one of our clients, like, hey, gonna move at some point. And then it's like, oh, I realized this is getting around a little bit because somebody just asked me about it. So, like, I need to go tell Big Boss now because it's way worse if somebody else tells them and they're like, so tell me about this. Which is probably just repeating Chris's point, but it's fine. 
I mean, nobody listens to me anyway, so you should just repeat my points. <sighs> Listen, I. you know what? I can be a mediocre white man and do that shit. I was about to say, Big do whatever the better version of mansplaining is. Yeah. White man energy saying the thing you just said, but slightly worse, but people listen. What a great point, Miranda. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> I thought they smelled bad on the outside. What? Does that... This okay. is just my thing. Um, date women, everybody. I mean, I agree with you on that. Hey. I would if I could. Oh, God. Um, I need to see it. And then the last thing about Will is that even though everybody else sees him as a leader, he also, like, not only does he not trust himself, but the fact that he's not trusting himself is making him not, like, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy where he's, like, not making the right decisions because he's questioning himself all the time. Yeah, it's, um, he, he's very in his head about everything, which, you know, makes it kind of hard to make good decisions in a war when you're, like, trying to lead, you know, who knows how many people on this, like, weird underground caravan to some old mining site that the Empire definitely knows all about, because, like, it's, it's a big shit on one side of the planet, um... But, yeah, what Chris said, but better. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard it before. Pro- promotions for Miranda. <laughs> yes, let's increase that salary by 12%. Ooh. Um, sorry, anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I just wanted to say this is not very important, but I um, I felt like the use of the old mining shaft and like trying to stay off of you know, whatever radar equipment and the radar is not the right word, but scanners um, trying to stay, you know, below the scanner level. I just felt like was so old school rebel feeling. Um, And it was kind of nice to read. You know, it was, it almost justified the earlier parts of this book where we were like, did you forget that you won? Like, (laughs) did you forget? And then now it's like, okay, good thing you didn't, good thing you did forget because now you need those old rebel, you know, skills and feelings again. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, honestly, it feels like a good strategy. That That's a really great point, Rana. And I feel like that kind of just hammered home for me that, like, in addition to, like, what you said about, like, now they're the rebels again. But it's really hammering home something that it hasn't really felt like in this series, which is the absolute necessity of winning or everyone dies. Like, so far in this series, it's been a lot of man, I hope we win, or this strategic base in this specific sector is going to be potentially lost to the Empire. And so it's like it's like not like huge stakes. It feel, like it's been personal stakes, but it hasn't been huge galactic stakes. Whereas like now, we really are on the life or death. Uh, the, the, we're, we're like back on like it's between life and death, like mm-hmm. just because of what you said. Yeah, and it's like up until, up until this point, like this... The overall stakes, like you guys said, have not been super obvious, but we get to the part where they're, like, going through the tunnels and hoping they don't collapse when the TIE fighters come. It's very hot. You know, it's very crate. It's very, very much rebellion or resistance or whatever the fuck because 
you know, they, by this point, they've, you know, kind of won the war. Heavy air quotes again, audio medium. Um, but the New Republic is nothing close to being stable. Like, yeah. everything is just, like, in such a precarious position. Like, do I think that if they lose this system, like, it's going to be real hard for them to keep governing, whatever governance means, in a galaxy that is essentially just a, a confederacy, which is a whole other bonus episode, but... <laughs> I would listen to that bonus episode oh, as long as I wasn't on it. I've got a draft outline. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, this is me agreeing that it's very life or death, very Star Wars, yeah. very rebellion, which I think is good, you know, because now it's like this whole thing has been after Endor. Um, but we don't get the sense of how close to Endor it actually is. Because this is like, what, weeks later? Yeah, it's months. It's all we know is that it's somewhere between Endor and Jakku. I think, yeah, which is not because a long it's time. a trilogy. I'm assuming it's like maybe six months ish, but we don't know that. The only reason I think it's months is because when in Alphabet Squadron, when Chas is learning who Will is, it's like established and exciting that he was on Endor, and so I figure mm-hmm. like it has to be enough time that it's not like you know if something happened a week ago, you wouldn't be like you were there. Oh my god, maybe you would. I wouldn't. Um, because I live in the age of social media, but uh, maybe for Star Wars it would be. But anyways, yeah. I, the only other thing I would say, too, is I feel like in the beginning of this battle, I wouldn't say the Rebels got cocky, uh, to use Star Wars terminology, but um, I would say, like, I don't think they were worried about this battle. You know, they were a little worried, but until Shadow Wing showed up. Wait, I just forget the name of the group. It's Shadow Wing, right? Yes, no, you're right. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I just thought I was like, what? What? Anyways, sorry, I swear I read the book. Um, but when Shadow Wing showed up, it was like then that shit got serious. But before that, it really didn't seem that big of a deal. Hera didn't stick around. She went to go do other stuff. Like, And I think this sort of reiterated the very precarious point that they're in of like, yes, you've sort of won the war, which I've been shouting into the podcast for three weeks, but also like shit can change. And yes, the the fact, I think if the Empire had a central leader, it would be a totally different story. Like, I think at this point, it sort of reminds me that we're very, not we, what the hell, that um, this galaxy is very, and galaxies are very lucky that there is no central leadership for the Empire. Because if there was, it would be pretty easy, I think, to lose the gains that the Rebellion has made, or the, you know, New Republic has made. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... I mean, honestly, kind of testament. We hate to say good things about the Empire, but they're very effective at developing good leaders in the Navy. And, like, you know, if if Keyes wasn't good at his job, this would not be an issue. But it's that, and then, like, the fervor of all of the fucking Imperial officers who are like, we're still going to stick around. Look at this messenger just standing in the middle of our ship while we give blood offerings to it. It's like, you know, depending on the exact kind of details of the situation, I can go either way real fast. And the way this is going is, oh, fuck. We got to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's... 
it's interesting because this book and the next one kind of combine with the Aftermath trilogy and Rise of Skywalker to kind of paint all the different views of what Palpatine is thinking and why he, you know, did what he did and structured the Empire the way he structured it. And so that's that that is a very deep topic that I think we've just scratched the surface of, but we'll come back to in, that's in the future. Some- that's something I'm hoping to get a little light on or shed, have the book shed a little light on either in the next book or in the future of like I my greatest hope that I do not put any real um, weighted hope into because Star Wars is the idea that um, that maybe this will make the parts of Rise of Skywalker related to the Palpatine clone stuff make more sense to me. Like maybe it will make it seem more, um, you know, developed in a way that maybe I'll want to go back and rewatch the movie, you know? So I'm hopeful that like, maybe not that hopeful, but I do feel like I would really like genuinely, obviously we all love star Wars. We wouldn't be talking about it for this much though. Maybe not everyone who talks about star Wars loves it. Um, but I still feel like I just would like to get to enjoy that more. And so even if that's through like, I wouldn't say retconning, but more information inserted later on by Alexander Freed. That's fine with me. Yeah. We, for want, sure. cool. we want to see them rogue one. The Rise of Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. I don't hate that. All right. Well, Rogue One, The Rise of Skywalker. You heard it here first. Uh, thank you all for I listening. I'm laughing. Sorry. It's, it's laughing out of pain. It's funny because it's a joke. Oh, now we're thank all you, sad. Uh, thank you, all for listening humor. to Sorry this episode of The Book Wars Pod. Uh, next week, we're going to be finishing our read-through of Shadowfall, uh, chapter 6, 17, 17, through to the end. Uh, in the meantime, find us on Tosh Station Radio Patreon, Slack, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, at BookWarsPod. Email us, BookWarsPod at gmail.com. And if you have the means, donate to either the organizations we mentioned at the top or the organizations that will be in our pod description this week. And then if you do want to support us, you can do that by donating to the Tosh Station Radio Patreon or giving us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookhorsepod. And when you do, of course, you are encouraging us to post more pictures of five official pets of the pod, Argos, Cerberus, Jasper, Orca, and Tony. Um, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Terra Design. And our audio and production are done by our very own Kristen McDonald. Thank you all for listening to this episode and for Rana, Miranda, Kristen, and Kate. I am Chris, and we'll talk to you next week. Kristen got my Sorry, before read. we debrief, I need to run and pee, but I'll be Do it. Back. Do it. <laughs>